0: Hey, what's going on champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. Yes, yes, yes. Another week, another amazing story from an amazing immigrant. But before that, I want to thank you for your continued support by listening to the podcast. However, if you want to take a step further on helping the podcast for free, please go ahead and follow us on Instagram or Facebook at An Immigrant's Life. Also, if you haven't, please go ahead and subscribe and follow the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platform. By the way, I noticed that 30% of our listeners listen through iTunes. So for those listeners, please do me a favor and give us a five-star rating. And if you could leave a short and sweet review, that'll be much appreciated. So, that takes care of the business, now let's talk about the episode. Before I talk about our guest, just a heads up, in this episode we talk about domestic violence and we did laugh about it because it is in the past and as they say, tragedy plus time is comedy. However, if you or someone you know are currently victims of domestic abuse please do not hesitate to call your local authorities and agencies for help. And now, about our guest. Today's guest is a great example of resilience. She will show you that positivity and being yourself will always bring you to the place where you always want to be. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo, I am honored to have today's guest. She's a recipe creator, an author, and a powerhouse of a human being. She has Oprah's charisma and the artistry of Martha Stewart. Everyone, please welcome Marsha Hebert.
1: Hello, hello, and thank you so much. I am honored to be here. As, he, as you mentioned, Marsha is the name. Some people, Marsha, 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 I don't mind. <laughs> Uh, so a little bit about myself I came to Canada when I was age 12 in 1985 Mm -hmm. and I went to school here I learned French my I'm not very good at it now but I do understand a little bit Mm -hmm. so from from Canada from Jamaica to Canada uh, let's
0: uh, hold up a little bit let we're gonna figure that out later
1: yes is that okay yes all right so
0: before we continue would you like to promote anything
1: I'm a recipe creator, as you mentioned. I just came out with my uh, cookbook called Snackalicious, mm-hmm. and that is gluten-free and dairy-free. That is my focus. Uh, so I like it when uh, you're not feeling guilty about eating your snacks. A lot of people, they're guilty about eating a cookie. I love cookies. I love cakes. <laughs> you, and this way, I wanted to make my own. I am, I am definitely gluten-free and dairy-free and a bit of celiac. So this cookbook, I wanted it to be for everyone. I want everyone to, when they eat their food, they're happy about eating it, not feeling guilty about it.
0: That's awesome. That's beautiful. Do you have a website or an Instagram account?
1: I do. You can find me by just searching me on the internet. Marsha, M-A-R-S-H-A and Ebert or eat for life by Marsha. My social media is eat for life by Marsha. And my website is eat for life by Marsha.
0: That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So as you mentioned, you were born in Jamaica. Yes. How would you describe Jamaica for the people that doesn't know?
1: For me growing up, uh, so I left Jamaica when I was 12 years old, but growing up in Jamaica, I did not have any um, knowledge about, I didn't, Growing up in Jamaica, we're very multicultural, very multicultural. You have German, Asian, Polish, you name it, we have it. And so our culture is not about color. The culture is about Jamaica, the culture. We're a melting pot of all kinds of cultures. So when I came to Canada at age 12, I, there's a lot of things. I, I guess you call me naive, but I was glad that I grew up in Jamaica with my family from different cultures uh, because that was freedom for me. When I came to Canada, I felt like my freedom was taken away. I felt like it couldn't be me. I was no longer me. I was a black person. Mm -hmm. I was a single mother or some type of stereotypical discrimination uh, but growing up in Jamaica, I loved it. We—it's just you. You just be you, be yourself. We have family that are different cultures. We have fun with different cultures, different cuisine. Mm.
0: Um, it was—it was freedom. It—it it, it was freedom. It was freedom. Oh yeah. So, what did you enjoy most growing up there?
1: The people. The people. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was the people. Uh, growing up, the the family and friends, you could just get together to chat, you know, just shoot the breeze. No one, there was nothing taken too seriously. Um, it was just like, and everybody has something to say about something. And it, it was like, you put up any subject, there was no limit, none whatsoever. When I came to Canada, it was like, you can't talk about sex. You can't talk about politics. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. In Jamaica, forget it. If you open your mouth, somebody's going to have something to say about it. And at the end of the day, everybody's going to go home laughing. That's,
0: <laughs> that's what it's about. That's awesome. I I love that. I love that island mentality. Yes. That everything's going to be okay.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what that song, though everything is going to be okay or don't worry, be don't happy. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Don't worry, be happy. That's exactly what Jamaica is about. <laughs>
0: So I did some research about you and I found out that you like country music.
1: I do. <laughs> I do like that. Wow. Pretty good. You are very good. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. The story behind that is mm. that growing up in Jamaica, we do listen to country music. When I came to Canada. Yes. Okay. When I came to Canada and actually wanted to listen to Dolly Parton, Charlie Pry, Kenny Rogers. People look at me funny. I was <laughs> like, to me, that was like, what? So they were expecting me to listen to something else. And I found out a bit about Bill. I didn't know anything about Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean is that black singer, Caribbean queen. Mm-hmm. I knew more about country music than I knew about Billy Ocean. When I came to Canada and I was in school and this, this, this Caucasian guy, He just kept saying, you look like Billy Ocean. You look like, like, who is Billy Ocean? I was like, who the effing is Billy Ocean? (laughs) And then that's how I found out about Billy Ocean is because this Caucasian guy, because of my big lips and my, that's how I knew. So once I looked up Billy Ocean, I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I got big lips and I'm black. So I look like Billy Ocean. That's how (laughs) I knew about Billy Ocean.
0: (laughs) That's That's funny. Yeah, your big, beautiful lips that everyone wants now.
1: I was even in, when I was in Ontario and I was walking down the street, guys approached me, wanted to touch my lips, asked me if it was real. I got gifts given to me because my lips, I'm like, okay, that's too weird for me, okay?
0: (laughs) That's weird. That's weird. So you mentioned you moved to Canada. Was there someone that was here before you?
1: My dad. Yeah, my dad. Uh, My dad left when we were, we were born in January. My dad left in September. So we didn't really know him apart from letters and pictures that he exchanged when we were in Jamaica. And my dad, he was here because of his sister sent for him. So he left the family and came here. And then he sent for us, Uh, my sister, my twin sister and I, uh, when we were in grade six. Um, The interesting thing about that was, my, my dad is not, is not necessarily the best parent, but something I will give him a medal for is when we came to Canada in grade six uh, and they want us to put us back one grade. Mm-hmm. So what I learned was that any, if, if you come from like a third world or some other country, than the, then they tend to assume that you need to be put back. Mm-hmm. And so my dad fought for that. And I was very, I will give them a medal for that because they want us, we came grade six, they want us to put us back in grade five. And it so happened that the Caribbean island is ahead of the educational system in the foreign world or the first world. And, and so, yeah, my dad fought and we ended up in grade six. And I was very happy because I would have been bored. Like a lot of the stuff we've learned in Jamaica about math. I mean, we were learning our math in kindergarten. We were Mm -hmm. learning our two times two. And if you didn't know it, you weren't allowed to go home. That's how extreme the education system was there. So I have to say, yeah, go into my dad. I give him a medal for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when you arrived What was the weather like? Cold. Cold. Was it winter?
1: (laughs) It was winter. Okay, (laughs) compared to winter in Jamaica, the same parka jacket that you would wear in winter in Canada is the same jacket in January they would wear in Jamaica. Mm. And I thought I was cold in Jamaica. (laughs) And then when I came to Canada, I was freezing. (laughs) But I was, there's something about it though. Like I was very... I like the winter. Like snow was new. I remember like it was coming down and we're sticking our tongue out and like, oh my gosh, what's this? And Mm. all that. So I, but I found out that I'm more a winter person than a summer person. And I think that might have to do with I'm anemic. I get very fatigued with the sun. Uh, But either way, I I love winter. I'm a winter person. I really enjoy winter.
0: Oh, yeah. So we're opposite. (laughs) I don't like winter. You
1: don't like winter?
0: <laughs> I hate winter.
1: Well now you're in now it's we're all indoors, right?
0: Exactly. That works, I guess. So you were twelve and I'm sure that was rough on you being, you know, leaving all your friends and trying to make new friends. How did you transition to finding friends here in Canada?
1: Oh, that, you know, that was hard. That was very hard because, and it's not something that we talked to our parents about. Uh, I think one of the thing when my dad drilled in us was that we have to give 110% because of the color, because of the prejudice. So you always did, you have to give 110%. You can't, you can't be like the rest of everybody else. That to me was already a limitation. I mean, I've never had to be trained that in Jamaica and here I am 12 years old supposed to meet new people and get to know, you know, people. And here there's already a conditioning in my head that I can't, I can't do what they do because of the color of my skin. I have to work twice as hard because the color of my skin so when when I was in school and I meet people, I, I, I became very quiet. I became very quiet because I was a little bit scared that, you know, meeting new friends, you know, the I didn't like on both sides of it, uh, you know, meeting friends that was of my color. I, I didn't really get along with them because I didn't believe in like the... The, the way they were taking on the the abuse of people calling them names and things like that because of the color. I I didn't buy into that. I didn't believe that will define me. So I couldn't necessarily be with them because they talk about if something happened, it's oh because I was black. If this, mm-hmm. oh because I was that, oh because that person is white. Oh that person's this. So and in my heart of heart, I just I couldn't go with that. And then on the other hand, the people that was like Caucasian or whatever color, they, you know, like they ask you questions about your, you know, coming from Jamaica, your color of your skin, your hair and all that other stuff. So uh, I didn't make a lot of friends. (laughs) My best friend, though, that I did make was she's a Filipino. Hmm. Yeah, she's Filipino. And oh, my gosh, she. I remember in school, I always, the underdog, the people that are underdog, I'm not afraid of anything. So, you know, if somebody was messing with somebody, regardless of their, as long as, regardless of their color, their skin, whatever, if if they were messing with them because they're a nerd, because they're fat, because they're this, I was the person that stand up. So I became almost like their little protector. So that's how I met my friend was because these girls in school was calling her, you know, names that are like fat and this and that. And I, I was just like, listen to me now. I was just, this is me working out, me going into patwa, the Jamaican language. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, what's wrong with you people? I was just standing up and I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid of anything, like literally coming from Jamaica, like there's nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. So I end up standing up for my, my friend, you know, and I just basically said, you know, like you guys got dirty mouth, you know, just take some soap and wash your mouth out. Cause everything's just being nasty. And I didn't swear at the time. I didn't swear until I met my Caucasian husband mm-hmm. in, in my thirties. That's how I ended up. Swe- <laughs> anyway, that's another story. But so then I I met my friend and, um and we became best friends. She till this day, like She's my best friend. She lives in Winnipeg. Um, that's where you know I end up in Winnipeg. Coming from Jamaica, I end up in Winnipeg. Spent eleven years in Winnipeg, hmm. and then in Winnipeg. Try to make it in Ontario. It's not for me. And then I'm I'm in Calgary. I've been in Calgary for twenty odd years. Date <laughs> 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 myself.
0: <laughs> you look young yeah. to me.
1: Yeah. So thank you. So friends for me was was not a lot. I spent a lot of time by myself, and I just friends for me were the ones that. Oddballs, I guess you could call them. I didn't see them as that, but uh, they take to me to me more than than anybody else.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. So, even though you had friends, were you feeling homesick still?
1: Yes, I was. I definitely was because, again, you couldn't just walk out of your yard. You couldn't walk out of your home and go to the neighbor. Like I'm in Jamaica, you you're walking. You walk in the streets, you're going over to the neighbor, you're talking. You, I couldn't do that. that. That wasn't anymore. So I was to the point where I was feeling homesick. I think it was when I was 14 or 16. And my dad was having a rough time parenting myself and my sister. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I'm going to send one of you guys back to Jamaica. And I said, <laughs> send me, send me.
0: <laughs> he did. <laughs> oh, he did. Let me back to Jamaica.
1: <laughs> because my sister was not street smart. That's how I see her. She wasn't like, I she I, I didn't think she could handle it. So I was I'm always sacrificing myself because I figured I'm a warrior, I can handle it. La la la. So I said to him, just leave my sister, I will go back. And how old then were you when you came back? I was, I think I was 14 when he sent me 14 or 15. And then it was six months because I didn't know whether or not he was really going to leave me there. But I think he <laughs> did that to really punish us, to show us. But I, then I think I had to be back by, to Jamaica, to Canada in six months. Otherwise, my immigrant papers would have been whatever. Yeah. So then, yeah, so I I spent, I went back to Jamaica and I got myself in trouble.
0: <laughs> what kind of trouble? <laughs>
1: because because the, the the guys, and that's what I love about Jamaica Men and women are not afraid of anything. If they see you, they like you. They will come up to you. They will approach you. But I, I wasn't interested. I wasn't like the other. I, I was too scared to get pregnant. I was like, I'm too young. I don't want to be pregnant. I don't to. So when guys come around my mom's home, my mom, you know, I, I just end, I end up fighting. I end up getting into fights. And I, I remember I punched this guy. And oh, yeah.
0: brother like Rousey over here. <laughs>
1: So I remember punching this guy. There was a nail. Like, you know, Jamaica, they have stuff. They don't really do as... There was a nail. And I end up, like, cutting myself, like, scars. I come back to Canada with scars. (laughs) (laughs) That was... Okay. All right. that's That's me.
0: (laughs) That's funny. But when you came back to Jamaica, did you suffer any reverse culture shock? No.
1: That's the thing. Like... No, like when I went to Jamaica, it was, I was happy to be there. And then when I came back, I think I came back a little bit more not afraid when I came back to Canada, because I understood, I, I feel like I'm going to be me. I, why would I allow someone limiting, you know, beliefs, you know, makes my life limiting. And I mm-hmm. think that's why it gave me a bit of courage. I was happy. Oh, I did have culture shock, to tell it the truth. Because I was so used to, like, when I was in Canada, I had a picture of what my family and friends look like and is. But when I went back to Jamaica, they weren't the same in a way because they treated me like, because I was from foreign. Mm -hmm. So they didn't treat me like the girl I was before I left. I now became a special person, a foreigner. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why I end up in fights. (laughs) (laughs) I was a foreigner. Yeah, talk yeah. about talk about prejudice on either side. Oh la la. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, you know what? I know that feeling that oh, you're from that other country now. Yes. You're not you're not us anymore. You're yeah. someone else now. <laughs> That's so funny. So then you went back to Canada.
1: Yes, and I come back to Canada. Yep.
0: And then no reverse culture shock again or it was just a fluid transition
1: it was it was fluid because i just i i think yeah i came back with like a vengeance i was like that's it nobody's gonna put me down and nobody's gonna call me names i'm just gonna do what i need to do and that was it i wasn't yeah it wasn't it was like ready let's go (laughs)
0: Mm. that's that's awesome so that was high school, right?
1: Yes, that was yes. Great. You Actually, you. Um, that was in junior high, and then um, and, and then in high school, like I drop out. <laughs> I drop out
0: because. <laughs> woman over here?
1: Yes, because I like I said I'm street smart, and I grew up in Jamaica where we were our education, our learning, we were far ahead, and I might have been a little bit of genius in not knowing it. Uh, so in Canada the school system was very boring to me. As that's why I'm so glad I didn't get put back cuz I probably would have caused a lot of trouble. But um the school system was bore it was boring. I was we were already was far ahead. I think it has it has to do a little bit with my learning. I learned very fast. I'm like a sponge. Information come to me. And again because of my color they were judging. They were judging you, ju- you know you're you're from a, a Caribbean, you're not from whatever. So f- it's almost like they think you're stupid. It's like it's like their their automatic reaction because you're for different color, mm. you're for different country. It's like you're not smart. Mm. And and I was I was just bored. I was bored. So I came up with a plan. And my and my dad, like I said, he wasn't the best parent because I left home when I was I think when I was seventeen, mm. I left home uh, because my dad was just not the best dad. Um, so I, yes. Yeah, so I came up with a plan. So I said, okay, in high school, so I was in grade 10, I was in grade 11. And so in high school, I said, you know what? I'm getting out of here. I'm, I can't do this. This is so boring to me. I was always falling asleep. I was always waiting for a student to catch up. I'm always waiting, waiting. I was like, okay. So I said, okay, you know what? Let's finish my grade 12, uh, type because I remember my teacher, um, he said, this is, I still remember his name. I won't say his name, but he's, I don't know if he's dead or whatever, but I still remember his name. He said, ladies, and this was in Winnipeg, if you want to make the money, you have to get into administrative work and you have to get with the government. That's all I hear was, okay, to make the money, because I didn't want to be like, you know, this black person it was poor, all that conditioning that we hear about got to be an administrator. Not that I like administrative. All I know was being administrative and work for the government, which it actually worked out. So then in grade 11, I was so bored. I was like, OK, I'm done with this. So I, what I did is I finished my grade 12 typing and I just got out of school. I dropped out. I was like, I'm done. I didn't finish my high school. I left and I started working at um I still remember this Royal Forks uh, rest buffet restaurant. Mm. That's how I ended up met my first my first husband, who's the do- who's the dad of my daughter. I got pregnant when I was eighteen, and mm. I actually
0: planned that too. You planned it. <laughs> I planned, that too. planned their kids at eighteen. Nobody. <laughs> it's the
1: genius one who didn't know she was that genius. If I knew how genius I was. Oh, I tell you, honey, I'll be like a billionaire. (laughs)
0: All right, tell us your plan being pregnant.
1: (laughs) Okay, so then I finished, I dropped out. I was like, I'm done, whatever. And so then while I was, um, so then I thought to myself, okay, um, you know, I was working at Royal Forks Buffet and I saw this gorgeous guy. Actually, I saw saw his his butt. I remember just looking at him going, who, who does that ass belong to? (laughs) I have to get to know him. And I was 17. He was five years older than me and he was already dating. And the girl that he was dating, she was like mixed, like between black and white. And I thought, Oh my gosh, she's too gorgeous. He's out of my league, but that didn't stop me. I thought I have to have a plan to get this dude because I just, whatever I see, I like, I am conquering it. I'm like, Hmm. So then, I, I I put up a plan to get his attention. I finally did got his attention, and it ended up that I thought, okay, if I get, if I have my child at eighteen, when she reaches a certain age,
0: I'll still be young, because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking. Whoever's listening, please don't listen to that advice.
1: Because I thought, okay, this way I went for my grandmother. I still can be able to be with my grandkids because I want to have, and you know, and this, this attitude could probably from Jamaica because they all look so young mm-hmm. and you have people enjoying themselves and still. And here when I come to Canada, I see the mothers looking old. I see them already. They can't be with their kids. and can't be with the grandkids. So I was like, no, 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 no. If I have my child young and she'll be young, she's going to be 30. I still look young and all that stuff. So anyway, so then I got pregnant with her first son. So we were together, and and that was the first time I experienced physical abuse.
0: Holy moly! <laughs> I love that you're so excited about physical yes. abuse. This should not be. You should not be excited about I domestic have, violence. I am a
1: very happy person. I really. This is what I'm saying. Like I really thank God for my energy and because I have such love. And I'm always thinking about positiveness and, you know, you can get get through with anything and the resilience and some people, they're just unhappy. I always say, this is my quote, unhappy people do unhappy things. Mm. And I knew I was not unhappy. So therefore, I was not going to do anything that caused somebody else to be unhappy. That was mm. my mantra. That was my life. So, um, so then that was my first time experienced physical abuse. I did not, I told my dad, cause I'm a very open person. I said to my dad, I said, dad, you know, my, it was my boyfriend at my, yeah, it was my fiance. I said, he's abusing me. My dad didn't know what to do. Even going to church. I told the pastor that my, my husband is abusing me. They didn't know what to do because back then it was so new. It was so new.
0: What was he and doing, still- if you don't mind me asking? Hmm? What, what was he doing to you, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Oh, you know what? He was, uh, he's mixed. He's, he's like mixed between black and white. And I think he struggled with, you know, being a man of color. So, you know, people abuse, you know, names and it just life was hard because, again, being a man of color or a person of color. And his was physical abuse. Like, mm-hmm physical like he would like toss, and he's a he's a a muscular kind of dude and that's how I've learned about bodybuilding too I got into a bit of bodybuilding with him but um yeah his thing was like tossing me or anything would just throw me into rage or choke me I remember choking the life out of me (laughs) like (laughs) let me tell you now the audience that's listening this is a very serious matter uh, because as I think, you know, as a, as a black person, and I don't like to use my color. I, I don't, I don't like to do that. I like to say individuals who believe certain things that, you know, in terms of limitation uh, sometimes end up being the strongest person or the weakest person. Mm. So because of, because of all the other things I had to deal with, like I was young, um, I got the job at uh, uh I was working at the, for the government fulfill what my teacher said in high school. So when I finished my program, I got to work for the government. And that's the, that the reason for that is uh, how I ended up with the government. I was in college and I, I was, I got my child. I was 18 going into college and I did my college, my administrative diploma, because my teacher said, "If you want to work for the government, get that administrative." So while I was doing that, my ex was abusing me, like, I, and I got straight A's. I was like, I would, he would like be driving and be like, "Oh yeah, you want me to throw you outside the car?" And uh, it was a whole bunch, of, and I had to go home and take care of my daughter and do stuff. And so I finished college. Here's the story. Here's another story. So remember my teacher said, get your administrative diploma. I did that. It was like almost like a business admin diploma. And I took the one-year program. The funny thing about this, Aaron, is I went to take my GED. I went to take a test in order to get into college because I didn't finish my high school. Mm-hmm. So you, you end up as a mature student. So when I did the test, the guy said, Oh, all you're good for is medical secretary. I thought I don't want no medical secretary. <laughs> what the? I wanted a business admin diploma program cuz my teacher said go get the diploma you can work for the government.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I said, "All right, is that how you're going to treat it?" Because a lot of people accept what other people tell them and they don't go any further listen to their their heart. Mm-hmm. I'd never think about fair. I just listen to my heart. What is my heart telling me? I'm like, okay, all right. So I went to the library. I take out this big GED manual and I went through it. It Went through it really, really fast. Like looking through, I went back and take, I went back to the same college and take the entrance exam again. And he said, oh, okay. You're good to be in the administrative business diploma program. (laughs) So you see, I would have just accept the medical secretary, blah, blah. I've gone, no. So I went and I, I took the one-year accelerated program. They had like a two-year and I thought, oh my gosh, if I took a two-year, I'm going to drop out because I'm bored and my brain is just can't work like that. <laughs> End up taking the one-year, this is accelerated. That means you have to be of the smarts of the smarts to be, I was bored. I was always ahead of the students. Where the teacher's always telling me to wait. Oh, Marsha, it's always Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> You need to slow down Marsha the t- student so I end up being her ed- her assistant in the classroom mm. because I, I was always waiting so I end up helping the kids who needed help this the adults because they're mature students who needed help so then I finished I thought and then I was slacking off a bit I wasn't doing my stuff and and then the teacher and to Marsha you have a C in this and you need to and I'm like okay no problem. And then I was good. I was like, boom, I, I did really well in college. Remember, I do not have my high school. So remember, my teacher said, get your admin diploma, go work for the government, that's where you make the most money. Mm-hmm. So now for our practicum. So in college, they give us like, I think there's a week or two practicum you need to do. So they said, okay, here's all the companies and they have a one week practicum for you. When I look on the list, Manitoba Public Insurance was not on the list. I remember my teacher said, "To work, if to make money, you go work for the government." So I said to the teacher, "Again, this is Marsha, Marsha, Marsha." I said, "Manitoba Public Insurance is not on the list." She said, "Marsha, you just have to stick with the list." I go, "So I phoned up the HR in Manitoba Public Insurance, and I said." I'm in such and such college, and we are doing a one-week practicum, and I would like to know if you're interested. She said yes, and she sent the stuff over. I end up doing my practicum for Manitoba Public Insurance as a receptionist. Mm. When I finished that one week, I remember this, oh, my my supervisor, Italian, kick-ass woman she used to wear like five inch heels, but she was a kick ass. Like I loved her. I was like, she says, Marcia, you've done such a good job. We want to hire you, but we cannot accept if you do not have your high school or a GED. Hmm. Uh, and she said, I'll tell you what to do. Go at night. When you finish work, go to the community college and get your GED. And she said, when you get your GED, we will hire you. I did. I did. I, after work, I got to the community college, I did my GED, I got it. And then I got hired on to Manitoba Public Insurance. And I worked there for four years until I moved to Calgary. Mm -hmm. So you see, just because someone tells you you can't doesn't mean you can't. Mm -hmm. So I don't listen to people. I listen to my heart. And if they want to judge me based on that, that's between themselves and whoever, not with me. So then I got to Manitoba Public Insurance, got my, I was work, um, was pregnant. I was 18, got my daughter. Um, and then I left for Calgary because my, my hubby at the time, again, being abused. Like, I think, I think it was, we were together for 11 years and maybe 10, eight to 10 11 of those. years and it's continued abuse. Yes. And I'll tell you why, why I stuck it out. You see, because again, as a Christian, I am a Christian. And he says, you know, you don't, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I wanted to be a very faithful Christian. And whatever it is, you need to work it out. So if I wasn't good at cooking, which that's not the issue, I'd be like, okay, let me go get some Martha Stewart. Let me go get some cooking books. Let me get good at this. If I wasn't good at cleaning house, okay, let me go get some. Let me. So I was a person. If you tell me something wrong about me, I will make sure it's 110% correct, like good. Like there's so that you have nothing to complain against. You have nothing. So then um, 11 years. And again, here is the stigma. This is what people don't understand. And when they see someone in a broken relationship, they're like, "Ah, why you stay? No, I get it. The stigma is I didn't want to be young, black, female, a single mother. That's what I did not want to be. The stigma again, because what I see as a person of color, you couldn't get. The, my mind doesn't see color. I wasn't thinking about it. I'm a black woman. Like I, I, see a lot of these things. People say, "Oh, I'm a black." I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. I'm a human being. In my head, God placed me. You go in places. I want to do this. I want to be a business owner. I want to be a business leader. I want to da da da. da. So the external now, all they see is my big lips, the color of my skin. (laughs) And I was a female because I get a lot of harass from my supervisors, the male. I was always, even on the taking the bus, I was always being, somebody's always sexually harassing me or something. I was just like, (laughs) to the point where I would not look, if you were a male, I would put my head down. And it's not that I was afraid or shy because I couldn't, I recognize what, other people were thinking about me and I had to withdraw into myself. I couldn't be all of me and I couldn't wait to turn 30. So I could be all of me. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to turn 1830 because that's when you can be you. That's when you can do whatever. So then uh, with her dad and after so many years, I left. I finally got the guts to say, "And I'm done. I can't take this anymore. And um, yeah.
0: What happened there? What made you leave?
1: You know, going back to my Bible, I have to say, I stopped listening to a pastor, stopped listening to the family, stopped listening to anybody. I just, you know, I went back to reading my Bible where it says, where there is evil, run far from it. And then I, I that kind of like, oh, la, la. Okay, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And then also too with Adam and Eve, I kept thinking the story of Adam and Eve, regardless whether people believe it or not. But that was to me was my motivator, where where God says, "Okay, I'm giving you a warning, you know, don't eat from this tree, because if you do, right, you're gonna be gone." I'm thinking he didn't even give him a second chance. <laughs> I'm thinking he didn't even say, "Hold up, wait a second. You know, you might not be as smart as I would like you to be. No, it's okay. Maybe I'll give you a second or a third chance. And because I'm a believer in Christ, and I kept reading those things, where there is evil, run from it. You know, it didn't give Adam any, the salt, Sodom and Megora, where, you know, the, all the stuff, they, you know, he helped them. And I thought, wait a second. If God can provide provision, that means... I. He will provide for me and I just I, I just I left I left with my daughter I had um, I, I said I'm glad I was working I end up in a one bedroom with my daughter my daughter she has some issues cognitively so I was a parent people ask me how do I parent 48 hours I tell them I'm a 48 hour parent because my daughter she has cognitive issues and I had to attend to her 24 um, 7 while I was working and uh i was under aaron i was under so much stress like i was thinking, <laughs> i'm telling you i was so stressed out my body gave way and i got shingles I got mm. shingles i was working i was being abused by my hubby um i was being sexually harassed at work i had to take care of my daughter come home smile and all that stuff and then i ended up with shingles and i went to the doctor and he said marsha are you under stress? Because that's the only way. Because Shingles is an adult form chicken chickenpox. He said, that's something that lies dormant. And when, do you, when you're under so much stress, it breaks out. I said, nope. No stress here. <laughs> oh, everything's all right. Everything. You see the black eye on my eye? That's nothing. Don't worry about that. Oh my God. I remember every weekend when it was time to go home, I got a headache. I got migraine. I couldn't understand why was I getting migraine? I figured it out because going home on the weekend means I would get abused. I was going to get hit upside the head. And I, every Friday when he came to work was over migraine in my, I was like, hold up. So yes. So I left, I finally gave way my daughter and myself. We were in like a one room, tiny room. Um, I, I take my, I'm always a person that seek emotional well-being, I never, I never look at it and go, oh my God, oh my God. I think, okay, problem, solution. The situation is bad. So I need to get counseling for my daughter. I need to make sure that my daughter is well emotionally. So I basically, we end up into like uh, some uh, church, uh, church group where she was able she be with kids and all that other stuff. I took her to counseling. I make sure I was there as a parent. I never, ever mentioned anything bad about her dad. I never she said, mom, why did we leave? I said, you know, some people, there are certain things that they need to deal with on their own and your dad is not prepared to be with us and work through those things. And everyone has their moments where they get a little bit crabby and cranky. Some people are okay to be with, and some people are not. And that was my explanation. But never did I shield her from anything. I always say, if there's issues going on, you need to talk about them. If you can't talk about them, find somebody that you can talk to about it. If you can't talk to me about it. So I've never put anything under the rug. How I approach it, though, is a way that creates win-win where you're not dwell on the negative at the same time, you're aware of what's going on. So that was it. What I did. I was, I was basically there for my daughter and make sure she was good. And then, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you said uh, she has cognitive issues. Yes. Can you elaborate on that if you don't mind?
1: She has, uh, which is another story. This is my, my, I'm crazy. I'm telling you. And it, because I go fight for the underdog. Like you can never tell me can't. I'm like, can't. you can't, I can. <laughs> so, anyway, so my daughter, she was uh born uh with what they call uh intellectual disability. She looks normal, but she the reason part is not she can't really do reason and time and all that other stuff. So I was very careful of who I allow her to be around and stuff like that. Um and so when it came time for my daughter now, so we got into her program, one of the thing was they were talking about have you told your kids that they are they got disability they've got issues with disability I go, excuse me, I go first of all, I don't even understand it and you expect me to explain to my daughter that she has intellectual disability uh, And so I said to the te- I said to the lady, this is a workshop. We're parents who have kids with disability and we're at a workshop and she's telling us how to explain it to our kids. I go, my kid don't even know to tell time. She doesn't even know. And you're expecting me. So I never said anything to my daughter. And then my daughter asked me, I think it was probably a year or so later. She said to me, mom, am I disabled? Do I have a disability? This is what I said to my daughter. I said, honey, I said, The only disability you will have is trying to fit into somebody else's ability. That would be your disability. If you're trying to fit in someone else's ability, this is the way God made you. You just learned the way you learn that might be similar to other people or different from other people. That's it. So if anyone say that you got, put it this way, honey. It's just words to make it easier for human beings to have limited thinking. That's it. That's it. And that's how my daughter grew up. My daughter does never, she never take this part like, oh, I'm disability. I'm disabled. I just, and I even quoted on Facebook when I, when I belong to groups that are like, I said, listen to me, you are who you are. That's the way you're made. This is the way you came onto this planet. And every one of us has something genius and beautiful inside of us that we need to share with the world. And again, I will say it. The only time you have a disability is if you're trying to fit in someone else's ability. Do you, be you, find you, fit into you. So that was my thing. <laughs>
0: mm, that's beautiful. Can she live by herself?
1: No. She mm. can with supervision. Yeah. So right now. So the funny thing about that was, I, I didn't allow even going through college, like I was there through high school, I was there. I remember when she was in high school, she was in junior high, and the teacher says, Oh, Simone has a boyfriend. I was like, boyfriend? What boyfriend? I go, no, 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 no. And I remember I was down there all the time. I remember telling my daughter, if the teacher didn't understand you, if they're because assumption again, because she's of color, they they, may, they have a certain way. And, and some of them, they, they don't know any better. I don't I just like to teach people how to treat others. And I, I just said, listen, honey, if you don't know what to say, you just tell them they can talk to your mother. So that was the cry uncle that I would use with my daughter. She couldn't handle a situation or didn't get it. I said, just tell them, you're going to have to talk to my mother. So that was what I tell. And I would be down there and she would say it too. She'd be like, and they would be sending me notes. Oh, we need to talk to you. And I would go down there and I would talk to them. I said, she is in a program for, for what you call disability, special needs kids. So aren't you the one who need to understand how to specially care for her so that was that was my even through college even when she went to college i was there i mean she was in college for a vocational training for kids with special needs she's canadian the book the textbook that they have is american they're teaching her how to do a job application in american textbook i went down there and i said excuse me wait she's you're claiming she's special needs and she so if she find it hard to fill out a kidney an application why is she learning american textbook when we are in canada you're telling me the we don't have canadian textbook that teach how to fill out a canadian application
0: yeah that's weird
1: i'm an advocate I will not, I, I don't, I'm not, I will stand up. I will stand up for justice. This is what I am. I am an advocate for justice. And I'm not afraid. Even when I was in my my job, I'm not afraid. People think, oh, I'll lose my job. Da, da, da. I, I, no,
0: you're not going to treat me the way you're treating me. I, I like that you said that you're an advocate for people. But I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not advocate for yourself. Because you were harassed at work, you were, Correct. you were, uh, you were going through domestic violence, but you're not doing anything. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. That's not, you know, and that's, you know what, the thing is that I felt, I, I remember like, listening to, to stuff that says, you know, like, you are where you are because of the energy that you give, you know, and I just think like, what? what kind of energy I'm not treating people. Why are people treating me this way? Why are people treating me that way? And I found out through the searching of understanding people's emotions and trying to resolute and everything that I was an empath because I would pick up on people's energy and, and, and stuff. And I would say, well, why can't I be somebody who picked up a like, good energy? Why? Cause I belong to empath groups, what they call it, empath. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, They're so they're down, they're downers. They're like, Oh, the law. I'm like, if you're an empath, why don't you just pick up good energy? And that became where I just seek out people like, and and not even that because a lot of times, again, I was so far ahead of people's thinking in terms of my age and my status where I was. Right? So you you know, your your certain age, certain status, and the people in your your zone, they don't understand you.
0: Mm-hmm. Quickly. Can you explain to the listeners what an empath is?
1: So, yeah. So an empath is someone who picks up other people's energy. Um, Most empaths you'll hear about, they pick up a lot of negative energy. Um, And then I guess for me, I I found ways to pick up better energy because I end up in relationships. So I thought because I was an empath, why I was in abusive relationships. Because when I was learning about empaths, a lot of them, they pick up negative energy. And I thought... I don't think so. I just, maybe because of my trauma. So, okay. So because of the trauma and withdrawing into myself, I was picking up negative energy. And that's what a lot of people blame themselves when you're in a bad relationship. They think they're the blame because I, I remember listening to some of those things. They talk about, um, you pull, you draw that energy to you. Yes, you do. But if you don't understand it, you are not going to get help. You draw the energy to you because there's something within you that you have not dealt with, not because the person is abusive, make you abusive because people say, okay, well, I'm not abusive. Why am I drawing somebody's abusive energy? It's all has to do with energy. It's not one-to-one. So because of the trauma, I I was so traumatized from being abused and harassed and almost naive in a way, because I was a very happy person. I always want to take care of everyone. I always want to make somebody happy. I became the people pleaser. I will work 24 hours just to make sure you're on your way. If you tell me you want a goal, I will work it. I will make it happen. That's what happened to my first husband. We were in Winnipeg. He said when his mom died, he wants to go to Calgary. I quit my government job. I said, okay, I always have a plan. it's a few years later, I realized I need to listen to my own damn plan because nobody's listening. And my plans are good. So I so I, end, I did that in my late 30s. I finally listened to my own plan. So I said to him, he said, OK, we're in Winnipeg. Mom died. He wants to go to Calgary. That's how I end up in Calgary in 1997. I left my government job. I had a plan. I said, OK, you stay here. I'm going to quit my job. And I drove with a friend to Calgary with my daughter. Remember, I know nothing, but I usually do my research. I know nothing about Calgary. So I drove with my friend to Calgary. My sister was already living in Calgary. And I took my pension and I moved to Calgary. And then he came and then...
0: Beat the shit out of you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I remember one, one time he slapped me so bad, the neighbor heard. He came over and she was like, Marsha, what's going on? Like he, And the reason why he did it was I was cleaning, making sure, and he was downstairs sleeping and he wanted me to be quiet. Oh. And I was just like, the neighbor heard it. And the, the neighbor, she, her husband is a psychologist and they're Christian. And that's how, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh my God. So that was, and, and yet I still managed to go to work. Nobody, nobody knew a thing at work. You know how, and this is why when I see people who come to work and whoever, listen up, workers, bosses, employees. this is, listen to this. When they come to work and just for little things, they're so angry and they take it out at me. I thought to myself, can you imagine if I do that to you, you would be dead. Because the amount of stuff that I am carrying, you could even, you're not even carrying half mm. of what I'm carrying. And you're coming to work and to treat me this badly for what? Because your hubby didn't kiss you or because somebody, I'm dealing with, even my daughter was being abused. I'm being abused. I, I, and I'm coming to work smile for nobody knew a thing. And I'm working 110%, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy. I said, people need to get better um, emotional well-being. Like, I just, I couldn't, nobody knew. Nobody knew nothing about about the abuse. Nothing. Mm.
0: So, now, how do you deal with stress now? The same way I
1: deal with it back
0: then. <laughs> Push it down <laughs> and hide you know it from what? everyone. You, you
1: know what it is? I, I, it's... I, for me, it's not focusing on stress. Like, oh, it's stress. Once you go, oh, it's stress. It, what does that do? Just, it does nothing. I look at it as, okay, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. We need a solution. That's basically how I approach it. I also, you know, believe in, okay, my, I don't deserve this. You know, God died for my sins, and this is how I'm going to live life. I, I just kept saying to myself. I can't believe God died on the cross for me to suffer like this. He's already suffer. Why am I still suffering? And that's how I can, that's how I deal with stress. You want to, that was my thing was like, God already made Jesus was the sacrifice. He said, one sack. I don't need to be nobody's sacrifice. That was so I'm basically, I was my mind, you know, to, to give your listeners a practical way of how I deal with stress. Your mind renew your mind, focus on where you want to be. That was my thing. And all through my pattern in life, you'll see where I I, I wanted to do better in school, I wanted to get that government job, I wanted to get you, you know, to whatever the vision was, I had a plan, and I just stay focused on that. And there was a I learned negotiation skills, I was always reading on things I needed to understand. Mm-hmm. If I if I if I parent, not very my parenting skill was not very good, I learned about parenting skill. If my being a wife was not very good, I learned about I remember taking books from the library, how to be a wife, how to be the best mother, how to be a superwoman. I, I, I was like, I was even be like, Sue, how to be a superwoman. I was even when I was at work, whenever I get into a job, I learn the job. I always find out the job description, what would be, I learned that stuff before. I don't wait 90 days. Oh, 90 days, you're in the job. Da, da, da. I was already learning that stuff. So I'm always ahead of the game. I'm always being mm. proactive. I'm always, because when you plan, when you, you create prevention. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you're, yeah, you're prepared and there'll be no surprises.
1: And if there is a surprise, you're not like out, you know, you're ready. You're back on your feet. You're ready to roll and stuff like that. So mm,
0: That's right. So before we move on to the next topic, I want to give you props to your philosophy about joy.
1: (laughs) Yes, just only yes. Thank (laughs) you. That was my therapy (laughs) after therapy myself.
0: Can you elaborate on that?
1: Yes. So just only yes was something that I, start, I I came up with because I wanted people to focus on their vision, their goals. That's all yes. Yes, I want to go to college. Yes, I want a business. Yes, I want to make money. Yes, I want to win the lottery. Yes, I want my kids to grow up and be good kids. Yes, I want to be the best all I can. It's all yes. So if you're focusing on no, when are you going to get to your yes? Mm-hmm. So then it was just only yes to be to be you, all you can be. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. So what is Eat for Life by Marsha?
1: So Eat for Life by Marsha is about eating natural foods without feeling guilty. I'm I'm gluten-free and dairy-free. Um, part of when I do in my research about being anemic uh, I learned a lot of things about being anemic um, and mm-hmm. what I find it wasn't a lot of nutritional information. Um, when I was in Jamaica, I didn't worry about it. You just eat a fruit, you know, you, that's the thing. why I talk about Jamaica, describe Jamaica a little bit more. You would just pick up some jackfruit, pick up some orange. If you wanted a snack, grab a fruit, you know, eat a carrot, like eggs, we Eat a lot of eggs and also we were getting the nutrients. I didn't have issues like I did in in Canada. Hmm. And so then cuz part of it I had uh, the severe, severe I had fibroids and I was having for 10 years I couldn't sleep flat. I 4 hours of sleep I had to get up because there was severe pain in my 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 air, my belly. Um,
0: and Maybe it's your excess I'm punching you in the belly.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> right? That's the thing, right? You just, you just, because I, I don't know if I was suffering, you know, because of all that other stuff, but then, um, I found out I was gluten because I was bread Jamaicans. They love their bread, bread and butter. Like the, at night we're having bread and butter. Like it was just always, it's, it's, it's a snack. Um, and then, uh, so then I had miscarriages too. I didn't know that because of my, my issue with the gluten, um, I had miscarriage as well. The other thing, too, is when I do in my research, I found out that being low iron, being anemic, what it does when you are pregnant is robs the child of oxygen or something like that. So then ends the child become what they call physical or mentally slowed. Mm. And then I thought to myself, OMG, nobody talks about this stuff how being nutritionally imbalanced cause caused a lot of issues we're having with people being, you know, depressed, angry, kids being born a certain way. Um, uh, and so it so happened. So then I just start, okay, my daughter being a cognitive challenge, I thought, okay, if I get on the nutrition and I can help her, it will help her with her brain. And then I start giving my daughter uh, smoothies, so, because it was like milkshake, I would say, "Oh, it's milkshake." Because i was like, "Okay, I'm gonna get her to eat the vegetables because there's too many conditionings on commercials and what you see in the media about vegetables are no good. You know, they're not tasty, they're bland, and and you know, so it, it just didn't work. So then I, I fed her smoothies. So I give her a lot of greens, and over the time, I noticed her cognitive ability start to improve in. She didn't stay the same like some of her classmates. Some of her classmates because the parents just accept that the disability and they don't. You know they're not really been so. So she over time has changed, and even myself has improved because I should show you a picture of me when I was in my twenties. I look like I was in my forties, and I was depressed. I was just anxiety. I was having arthritis. I was having arthritis, and that that's what got me. I was in my 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 late 20s. And I remember getting up from my desk and my leg, what they call dead leg syndrome.
0: Mm -hmm. You get numb.
1: Numb. That's what was happening to me. My legs are getting numb. I was having arthritis in my fingers. My fingers were just starting to bend and all that other stuff. And I just thought, oh my god, I can't do this. There's no way. And I just, it just, it's just asking and saying, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And then that's when I start learning about nutrition, learning about gluten, I cut out gluten, I started mm-hmm. juicing every day. I juiced uh, lettuce and orange and apples, and my arthritis went away. My skin started to clear up because I had like what you call um, adult pimple or cyst under my skin. I would develop these big things. Once I start eating and uh, properly putting more nutrients in my body, my body clears up, does itself. My, my, my detox, my body does its work. I don't have to worry about this or that. My yeah, body- your
0: skin is impeccable.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And I'm going to be 48 in, like, three days.
0: Wow. I mean, you look like you're in 30s. Thank you. All right. But do you cook food? Like, I don't know. Like, like
1: cultural food?
0: No, I mean, like, I don't know. Well, yeah, the juice are good and all those cooking oh, and whatnot. But oh, But yes. food-wise.
1: Oh, I love food. Okay. my The day in my life... I probably consume about, you know, they tell you um, calories in, calories out if you want to lose weight. I remember when I was wanted to lose weight, I thought I'm crazy. And they said eat less food. I thought, if I eat any less food, I'm going to be anorexic. <laughs> so like, what is, because I, did, I didn't eat junk food. I, so, when, so when they say eat less, they're talking about comparing it to junk food, mm. right? So when they talk about calories, they're comparing it to junk food. So uh, for me, I eat probably like over 3000 calories a day, because of the food that I'm eating that help manage my body, magnesium, potassium, pumpkin seeds, nuts, all that stuff. It's it, the, the magnesium and potassium, like a lot of the focus is on carbs and proteins. But if you actually do research on the food that has high protein, they have high magnesium. Mm. So it helps burn body fat. Uh, it helps manage your muscle and all that other stuff. So, I, yeah, oh, yeah. So, in the morning, I'll have my juice, my lunch. Sometimes my breakfast is protein. It could be chicken, some vermicelli. This morning at 11 a.m., I had like vermicelli, leftover curry chicken. Um, and then I'll have like cookies. Like when I bake my cookies, I have lots of cookies. I have cakes. I eat, I'm a meat eater. Sorry, vegan people. I'm a meat eater. So, I eat like, because protein fits my body well. I'm a high protein. Uh, so I eat. Yeah. Oh, I cook every day. I cooked uh, meat, uh, vegan, vegan, vegetarian. Uh, I juice on top of it because here's another thing to hearing. People talk about how our foods don't have enough nutrients in it anymore. Well, then that's why you need to add juice into your daily regimen. Because if we are losing the nutrients, why not put juice in and then add more nutrients and you just drink it? You're not, you can't, I remember this lady, she said, uh, she, they've got a pill that says, oh, okay. All your nutrients is in one pill. There's no way you can eat all the foods to get, I go. Yes, you can. You can, it's just you, because you're conditioned to think you can't eat all the foods, you need a supplement. There's juicing, there's all different types of food for your body that you can put in your body to have proper nutrients in your body
0: that's right that's right so since you like cooking yes i want to ask you i think we're, i think we're getting there but i want to ask you this one friend if you befriended someone what dish would you cook to make that person know that you love them and why that dish
1: if i befriend someone okay since I don't know... Okay, I'm going to tell you that the secret. Oh, my gosh. I'm giving away even my trade secret of dating and all that other stuff. Okay. <laughs> this is my love secret to anything you want in life. Study the person. So if you befriend someone, I do my research. This is why I want to be in the military. I, Because I, I am like a covert person. I remember thinking when I was younger, I wanted to be an assassin. And I found out probably not a good thing to tell people you want to be an assassin. <laughs> 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 because because critical thinking, negotiate, I was good at all that stuff. So you study the person. You study, check them out, what they're eating, and even what they should be eating. So, okay. So now let's talk about the friend that I befriend, which is my partner. He He's a, a French, Acadian French, and uh, they like uh, raisin pie. He likes mm. raisin pie. But I know he likes coconut And raisin. So I made him a coconut and raisin pie. And he just loves it. He just he could eat the whole pie. So that becomes his favorite. Because he's coming from his culture where they have raisin pie and he's used to raisin pie. And I said, okay, what else do you like? He likes coconut and raisin. And so now his new thing, his new tradition is coconut and raisin pie. Mm. And guess what? I'm unique to it. So guess what? He loves me more.
0: Well, you're pretty, too, so that doesn't, you know.
1: <laughs> you're so funny.
0: <laughs> so we're there. Do you have any last remarks or parting message for the listeners?
1: Oh, I think I've given you so many throughout my talks. The last... I To finish off, that's, Erin, that's where I wish I could have like a like a podcast or a YouTube, because to show people like how to get there, um, you know, like words that are positive, they make it negative, like super, right? What do you okay. think of a superwoman or a supermother? Negative, mm-hmm. right? Don't, I remember reading psychology books, because I, I took my psychology courses, don't try to be a superwoman. Blah. So then I came up with a positive thing. I go, why are we putting a negative spin on a positive word? If you think about super, you're like whoa, I'm super. And so then I came up with the acronym because I, I said this is not how it should be. So super is S stand up for what you believe in. You understand not everyone will like you. P persevere through the chaos. E. Enlist help when you need it. And R, renew your mind, body, and spirit daily. Mm. And that's what it is. So that's me. Mm-hmm. That's my words for you. Be super joy in your life.
0: That's beautiful. Wise words from a wise woman. Marsha, thank you again for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. And I hope I've done it justice.
0: You did great. You did great. Thank you. Have a good night.
1: Yes, you too. Thank you Bye. so
0: much. Bye. Thank you, Marsha, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Erin Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.